Hey guys, how you doing? Welcome to this week's podcast. Um, I am very honoured um, to be sitting next to um, someone who has a very prestigious title. This is uh, Paul Cowley, OBE. <laughs> MBE. 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 Sorry, yeah. mate. How... Get, it, get it right. Sorry, get am right. I supposed to curtsy? No, no, or... you're all right. No, no, just a little bow on the way in. So a little bow, a nod. Yeah, but Paul, thanks so much, mate, for making the time to hang out and have a chat about leadership pleasure, and, pleasure. and all that stuff. Um, yeah, Paul... Tell us, where where did your like leadership journey really begin? Um, I think it began with with the army. Really, I, I had pretty dysfunctional upbringing as a kid, so mm. um, that was just that was a disaster. Really, I didn't I didn't learn anything from my parents. Mm-hmm. You know, you probably know both alcoholics, both dysfunctional, just a nightmare. So it was kind of duck and dive in that situation, yeah. and then expelled at school on my own for a bit. And eventually, after a short prison sentence, joined the army. And I think it was the army. In fact, no, I don't think. I know it was the army that, that got a grip of me. So I was, mm. I was 21. I was really unfit. I was, um, I was slightly overweight. Uh, I was a nightmare character-wise. Just, mm. uh, you know, for 20-odd years, been on my own. Um, just, just not a... I think the Bible says a man of bad character. So when I, when I joined the army, there was 28 weeks basic training and... Uh, for me, that was really hard work, but it really sorts the sort of you know the wheat out from the chaff. Yeah. And I realised there that um, I realised maybe I didn't know till later on, but I had some leadership potential hmm. that no one had ever spoken about. At school, it was a nightmare. I was bullied, so that was awful. My mum and dad, nothing. Um, prison, not really. But the army just encouraged and coached me mm. so I found out I could run I didn't know I was a runner I lost some weight got quite fit found out I was quite good with a with a, a weapon a rifle mm. funny we were joking about snipers I became a sniper in the army all right okay so all those different skills it brought out in me and I think that gives you confidence then to be more professional uh, more outgoing, so definitely to answer your question, the, the army really. Seventeen years, yeah. You know, as a boy, I went in at twenty-one, came out seventeen years later. Mm. And of course, one of your best friends now. Well, maybe I don't know if "best friends" the right word, but big Eric. Um, Eric. Yeah. Yeah. No, Eric was in the army with me, but uh, you probably know we we weren't friends at all. He was my senior instructor. Eric and I runs the Alpha for Forces um, Global, really. Uh, no, I hated him. He mm. was he was a nightmare, psychopath in uniform, um, and he had a, he had an epiphany. He became a, a Christian, and then he grabbed hold of me mm. when I'd left the army, um, and I went to see him. We spent a few days together, and what was extraordinary really was a change in this man because, mm. you know, he he kind of made me look like Mother Teresa. Yeah, okay, I sure. I mean, he was uh, he, he oh God, he was awful, uh, violent, drinking, punchy, you know, vulgar, crude. Uh, just an awful man and then he went off he was my trainer in the PT Corps I'd spend a year with him uh, transferring mm. and then he went off to Hong Kong um, he worked with the Gurkhas out there and then met with God out there I'd left the I'd done my tour of duty with the Army Physical Training Corps left the Army moved in with my girlfriend and he wrote to me and I went to see him and basically it was just the change in I could not I couldn't believe someone could change. Mm. You know, he'd gone from this this man I knew sat in front of me who I didn't like and slightly despised to this character that was still him, but was now a Christian. Mm. And I was an atheist. Mm. So 
just that that mixture was just it was weird yeah yeah. But it's what drew me into the kingdom. He prayed for me. Yeah, I actually, um, I had a great, we had a, a great laugh. Uh, was it last year, earlier this year? We were in Poland, Poland together, yeah, all of conference. us, and uh, having a bit of a chat. And actually, watching the banter between you two was hilarious, actually. Um, especially with a translator trying to understand <laughs> what was going on. Um, Paul, like, so you were in the army, you come out of the army. Um, how, how do you end up becoming a vicar? How, what, what's the journey <laughs> there, do you know? I don't know. I think I paid a few people along yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Collect the cornflakes packets. Well, I left, the, I left the army. You know, I was pretty well skilled up with um, health and fitness. Mm. You know, four years in the army physical training course. So, so I was a professional physical training instructor. Sure. So I came out um, and I became a personal trainer with some individual clients for a while. Uh, I was living in London with my girlfriend. So I picked up a bit of money that way and a few contacts then I got headhunted to run a couple of um, health clubs, one in Mayfair, uh, an exclusive men's club. And then I ran Champneys okay. uh, for a while, which is um, a big health club uh, chain, which w- was, um, was brilliant. And then during that time and during the Eric moment and all that sort of stuff, I got involved um, with HTB. Mm. And, and in fact, it was, uh, it was Nikki who um, heard on the grapevine that there's this bloke knocking around, he just come out of the army, you know. I had long hair then, um, and, a, and a bit of a beard, a um, bit of a character, uh, and he interviewed me, an alpha interview, I'd done alpha. Mm. Then he interviewed me, and, and then someone in the congregation, a lady called Emmy Wilson, mm. who I know you know, who's on the pastoral stuff here, amazing woman, um, heard that interview, Didn't she wasn't there at the time, but she heard it, and at the time, I was running Champneys, so mm. I was Mr. Bigwig, you know, in Piccadilly. I had uh, two secretaries, this big club, uh, my own office, all that sort of stuff. And my PA would say to me, that woman from church uh, has been on the phone again to right, speak okay. to you. And I'd said, well, just tell her I'm out, you know, yeah. terrible. And then next day, my PA would come in, and then the diary secretary would come and say, this woman... I said, look, just tell her I'm not interested. And then one day... the my Zoe, my PA, came in and said that, you know, the woman from church? I said, oh, for goodness sake, can you just get rid of her? Tell her mm. I'm not interested. She said, I would, but she's outside. <laughs> ah, so, yeah. so I joked, but that was the start of the question that you just asked me. Yeah. So I thought, oh, goodness me, I'll go and buy a breakfast in the club. I'll have a chat with her for five minutes yeah. and, I'll, and I'll get shot. Yeah, yeah, sure. That five-minute chat ended up to me showing around the club. It was an hour and a half. It went from breakfast to early lunch, and we chatted and walked around and everything. Um, and it was when she'd gone, and I got rid of her eventually. You know, she said to me, Paul, <laughs> God's, God's got a plan for you. <laughs> and I said, I know, I'm suited and booted. This is yeah. a really good job. Yeah, you know, I'm doing got, all right, yeah. I got my Cherokee Jeep. We just got a house. I'm eating out in restaurants at night. I'm all right, Emmy. It's a really mm. good plan. She goes, no, no, no. He's got a better plan for you, and, and it's to do with prisons. Mm. I said, well, thank you very much, and I'll see you later. Yeah. But it was that. She had this word for me that I, I would be working in prisons yeah. and helping people like me when I had no idea. Sure. And it was her still now. It was her trust and support in me, encouraging me to get involved. And that's uh-huh. how I came on staff. Through her again in '97. she put a paper yeah. to the board uh, Sandy Miller and Nikki hmm. and a few others saying that Alpha was in a couple of prisons um, and, and they were male prisons and she was a female and it was getting slightly uncomfortable all the time. She felt on her own. 
And possibly we should consider taking on someone like Paul Cowley mm. to help. So it was, it was Emmy, really, who spotted something. Like yeah. the army spotted something. Yeah. Spiritually, Emmy spotted something. And, and that's how I ended, yeah. up, I ended up here. And, and to be fair, I, hearing that story of Emmy, I'm not surprised that she turned <laughs> up. And actually, she is a force to be reckoned she with. She is a force. Her and the Holy Spirit are a force to be reckoned a, with. A dangerous combination. Dangerous. Dangerous. Uh, Emmy, if you're listening, we love you. We love um, you. So you, you start with Alpha Prisons. Mm. Um, you know, ninety seven. Ninety seven. Okay, Emmy had started it. Mm -hmm. She'd been into a few prisons, and it was kind of, um, it was kind of unstructured. She wouldn't mind me saying that, and it was a bit hit and miss. And then when I came on staff in ninety seven as a, I came on staff as the prison pastor, and I, I had no idea what a sure, pastor okay, was. Yeah. But I was a prison <laughs> pastor, so I got. I had a little. In fact, if Sandy's listening, he'll know. He offered me this um, this job, and it was. Um, Paul, if you want to come on board, there's there's no um, there's no secretarial help. Mm. Um, there's there's no budget. Uh, there's no there's no office really. Um, we don't know how long it's going to last, and um, that's it really. Mm. And I remember saying that's the worst sort of job offer yeah. I've ever had. In, <laughs> yeah. I've ever had in my life. So '97, I came on to establish Alpha in prisons. Mm. First thing I did was just stick a map on the wall and put um, a green um, pin in every single prison in, in England, and well, in, in UK. And then slowly, uh, me and Emmy visited every single prison mm. over time and hopefully persuaded some of the chaplains to, to run Alpha. So, so that's how Alpha in the, in the mm. prisons began, really. And then lots of people started helping in churches, and, and like yourself. Yeah, and, and, you know, it's gone on to be this this massive part of all that we do in Alpha and you know um, we've got Karis doing prisons up in yeah, Scotland and um, you know, Steve Page and Pete Jones and it's became this this global thing um, and, I, and I just love that I just love the fact that it's very much you and Emmy's story reminds me very much of Barnabas and Saul Yes. You know, and yeah, the, like yeah, a bit, Emmy's yeah. being Barnabas, she's seen the good in you. She's looking into that and saying, "This guy's got something." Other people might be writing him off, but I, you know, I'm not sure if people were. That's just a day's yeah. judgment there. But you know, looking at you and saying, "What could be next?" and she's created the space for you to step well, forward. Well, that's an important thing, I think, because Emmy is uh, amazingly gracious, very strong character, extraordinary what she does. But she did, she did step back mm. and allow me to sort of. However, we talk about that. Allow me to lead it in a way which mm. is um, which is hard. Yeah, and she's done that and yeah. continues to do that. Mm. Put me first mm. uh, in a Christian context, and I, mm. you don't see that very often. No, absolutely, you don't see that very often. Yeah. Do you, Do you think that um, that so that that experience you've had from Emmy is that something that you try to take into your leadership now that to to create spaces for other people and champion yeah. them. And, yeah, I was talking to someone this morning about that in a different context. Because of my my um, my first part of my life it was very dysfunctional, very self orientated, very narcissistic, just just awful, really, all about me mm. for lots of reasons. Not not all my fault, some of my fault. So the second half, the Christian half of it, is um, I don't want to do that anymore. Mm. I don't want it to be about me. I don't want to be the center of attention. I don't want to, you know, propel myself and damage other people. So it's the Christ in me that is enabling me to do that, I think. I, I'd love to encourage other people to do, mm -hmm. you know, like Pete, what Pete's done internationally. I, I started the International Prison Work. 
Peter's taken it mm -hmm. on, and, and that's really good to see. Yeah. Steve, mm -hmm. who's, who's uh, extraordinary, taking it on. So it's really good, I think, and to just to develop and help encourage people and, and kind of drop back a little bit, mm. which is not easy, you know, for someone who's founded quite a few things to kind of give them over. Mm -hmm. um, it is not easy, and anyone who's done that will understand because they're your babies. Absolutely. And what you're doing is handing your babies over to someone else. Yeah. There's a thing called founder syndrome, if you've heard of it, where the founders mm. can become the, the pain in the neck. Really. Yeah. So they've got to step out of the way. Absolutely, and they need to create the space. You need to create the space so that other people stand, like Amy did with me, and go for it. Mm. Go, you know. And actually, yeah, I think that's is it, it's fundamental, especially people who are entrepreneurial. That that is the key thing, isn't it? You know, it's it's about. Um, I think Bill Hybels described it as finishing well. Do you know? And and which how, is not an easy thing to do, either. No, no, it's not easy. Yeah, and and actually, as we're talking about that, and you you moving on, so you moved on from Alpha, um, into this new new thing, um, which it was it CFEO originally. Or? Yeah, it was. It was um, KMFX Offenders next. They all came out of the. I mean, originally, they all came out that I stole the idea from, from William Booth, you know, in his book, yeah. Darkest Thing on the Way Out. Extra Fantastic book. Him actually. and his wife, Catherine, extraordinary, mm. extraordinary couple. They started the, the Gate Brigade, which was helping men and women when they're thrown out on the streets, soup, soap and salvation mm. is three S's. And it was through reading that that I got all the ideas to, to kind of construct the prison ministry uh, with Emmy's help and leadership and stuff like that. And then reading his book one night in bed, he, he had this gate brigade where he met people at the prison gate. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, why, why are we not doing, I mean, people are now, but when we started it, people weren't really doing that, churches. Mm. So we started this thing and I, I thought, what can we call it? And I'll call it what it is, Care for Ex-Offenders, Care yeah. for Ex-Offenders got involved with the prison minister at the time and, and started to establish that where the church, instead of being on the peripheral edge, gets at the epicenter of this work and then meets these men and women who have given their life to Christ in prison when they get released and then we pick them up, basically, and mm -hmm. put them in a church and disciple and love them. Sure. And, and that, was, that came out of the prison work. Actually, it came out of one story, if, if, um, if I can share it. Is mm. There was a guy on Alpha in the south coast somewhere in a prison, and I just happened to be in, in the prison, and, and he was on it, he enjoyed Alpha, and I went in on the last session, and he kind of says, boss, what happens uh, at the end of Alpha, and, and I'm out soon? I said, we'll pick up on Alpha News, if you remember, we had the newspapers. Yeah, yeah, that was a while ago, Mark Elson Jews. Mark Elson Jews, I like the Alpha newspapers. Well, they were all over the prisons. And on the back was a list of all the churches that run Alpha in the UK and slowly it was growing internationally. And I said to this young lad, just grab the Alpha newspaper before you get out, have a look on the back, find your town, your city, find the church, mm. just turn up on a Sunday and Bob's there you your go. uncle. It's a, yeah, it's a doddle. Um, it wasn't that easy. Uh, and about, I don't know, about four or five months later, I got this letter from the same lad who was back in prison. And the letter, which I've still got at home, was... Um, it really upset me. He said he, he got out, he got the Alpha News, he did everything I told him to do. He went to a church uh, in his area and the church really wouldn't accept him. Mm. You know, he had loads of tattoos. He's an average guy out of prison. They were scared of him. They, they wouldn't let him in the church on his own. They, he, he couldn't join a connect group because they were nervous about him. Nobody wanted him to come to the service. People moved away. All the classic mm. stuff. 
And he said, you know what? I enjoyed church more in prison than I did outside, so I nicked a load of stuff and got arrested. Why? And, and I thought, oh, I can't have it. It upsets me now. I said, we, mm. you can't, we can't have that. Mm. There's no integrity in talking about Alpha and bringing them to Christ. Mm. We're not. So then I thought, we need to do something. We need to train some churches, and I'll start with the one I'm in, this one. Yeah. And we started taking ex-offenders then, and we got 50-odd, I think, now over the old site. And we learned some lessons from there, and we put some resource together and started to train churches mm. to, to do it properly. Yeah. And that's grown from there, really. But that came yeah. out of prison, so it was prisons and it was caring for ex-offenders. Yeah, so it's very much a kind of like, you know, um, you see the, the need, and then you've fulfilled some of that need, you know, um, yeah. because actually I'm, uh, when I was a student pastor um, at a church, we I got in touch with David McAdam, who heads up CFEO in Scotland, yes. shout out to David, um, <laughs> but, um, and, I, and I worked with him as, as part of that, and actually, it's such a, it's such a fundamentally difficult time for people, isn't it, when they're it's terrible. in that transitional phase, and it's where, it's where we lose them, if we we as Christians or the church, capital C, if we don't meet them at the gate or the bus stop, then someone else is going to meet them. Mm. And that's where we lose them. Yeah. And, and I think we sometimes forget as well that the disciples were all criminals. They were. You know, they all spent time in jail. There's a lot know. of rogues if you go through the Bible. Yeah, one or two. Yeah, one yeah. Or two. there's one or two sitting here today as well. No, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> Don't talk about the ladies like that. Yeah, I know. We shouldn't mention them, but it's fine. <laughs> so, Paul, tell me, um, what... what how did so you've done CFO, you know? So you've done prisons, you've developed that, moved on. You've done CFO, you know, um, you've moved on. What are you doing now? What does that look like for you well, what, day to day? Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> what um, so so what came out of the so so you're right. There's everything came out of of a need, mm. you know. And, and if I'm allowed to be proud, I'm proud of that. That it all, mm. we we didn't invent it just to to make it look good. So the prisons came out of prisons and Alpha into there, then then KMFX Fenders meeting them at the gate. And then started to realise that, you know, the men and women coming out of prison have a few issues that they mm. admit that we all have. So it was um goodness that there's so much debt going around. So we started mm. a debt counselling, organised mm. cross light debt. And then goodness me, you know, seventy percent have got some sort of mental health issue or addiction. So we started the recovery course and then there was the counseling and then so all the things came out of if, if you imagine fred in prison who was the rogue who then has an epiphany and encounter with christ and then changes and then comes out they all came out of of him mm. all the things that we do as yeah. a church and i think that's really if i'm allowed to say enriched alpha yeah now, alpha is more than what it used to be mm. alpha is an amazing evangelistic tool but now it's a it's a social action tool as, as well yeah yeah. And and I actually think Alpha for me, Alpha was my pipeline to leadership or exactly. Christian leadership. Yeah. You know, I I was a leader before. I, I you know I ran shops. I worked in business. I was a doorman. You know, led teams. But actually, Alpha trained me in how to be a leader. You know, you go from a guest to a, you know a, a secret Christian in the group. You know, yeah, then exactly. the small group leader, then the the group leader. You know, yeah. so I, I think you're absolutely right. I think the the life of Alpha has been enriched by the stuff that's happened with prisons and yeah. looking at it more than just an evangelical tool. Like, it, yes. you know, it, it is so much more than that. And I'm very proud to be, to be part of that over mm. 23 years, I think I've been on staff this year, is um, that it's just, it's just, it's richer. It's still what it was. It's an extraordinary tool. But now it's just gone further into society. Mm. 
uh, and I and I think that um, I think that does make it a, a stronger course really mm. for for what we do because it's it. I mean, it's everywhere as, as you yeah. know: prisons, universities, homeless on the street. It's just everywhere. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think Alpha teaches you, like you just said, there's I think it really teaches you about people mm. uh, and the complexities of people and and how to help them. Hopefully. Mm. Yeah. No. Absolutely. No, I think it's a beautiful <laughs> thing. And um, and now you're. Um, vicaring a church is um, vicaring the correct word it will do it'll yeah do. it'll do for now yeah. I'm looking after um, again it's been an amazing privilege and people investing in you which I think encourages you mm. to, to be more bold you know like Sandy invested in me and got me started on this whole journey of ordination mm. Nikki has constantly supported and encouraged and gone with some of my crazy ideas and schemes and, mm. and encouraged me to do that so um, the last church I looked after, the last site, uh, we've got five sites now at HDB. Mm. We used to have three. So I got asked to run the fourth one, which was um, St. Augustine's, Queensgate. Sure. Uh, which a beautiful was, building. Which is a beautiful building. I, I got asked by Nikki to take that on. That was an Anglo-Catholic service. I, I wouldn't even know how to spell that at the time. Yeah. <laughs> and I had eight years there. Uh, sure. Learning, goodness me, starting from scratch with, with that sort of stuff, you know, with my background, which was nothing alpha, HDB, and then running this site. But but Nikki, again, as a visionary, saw something in that site and, and possibly saw something in me asking me to run it. And that's developed now into two services in there. Tom and Sarah Jackson have taken over, doing a fantastic mm. job. And I said, I think, the wrong thing at the, at the back one Sunday. I said to myself... Goodness me, this has got two services, got a great cafe, everything's clean, we've got the pews out, the nice seats, you know, there's a, there's a sound desk. I kind of think my job is done here, really. <laughs> uh, and Lord, if I'm honest, I, I'm a, maybe I might be a bit bored. We have mm. curates going through, training how to, to speak and talk and give sermons. And shortly after that stupid prayer, I, um, we got this other site up mm. at, um, at Delgano, which is up in North Kensington, which is a... Completely different, small little sort of like a chapel, mm. um, hold about 120 people max, and no one had been looking after it for 18 months. Nikki took it on as mm. he does, uh, and said, "You and Amanda, my wife, start it up and run it." And we've been there, we've been there a year, mm. uh, and, and it's not been an easy year. They, yeah. had, they hadn't had a vicar; um, he'd left uh, for various reasons about 18 months prior. They'd been on their own. Um, and just just a bit lost really there was 15 mm. of them um, and they were struggling but really prayerful wanted to mm. keep it going yeah. um, and now well just Sunday just gone uh, we had 82 people oh that's amazing which is um, again it's not about numbers but it's just about it's a community church yeah. on, on three estates with 5,000 people which is becoming uh, a hub where yeah. people come in for coffee and chat, and, yeah. and, I, and I, it's people. Yeah, and that must be quite a different leadership experience for you as well. So you've obviously been quite a pioneering, entrepreneurial, yes, think so, you know, yes. um, out there, seeing opportunities, being able to take those opportunities. And we talked a little bit about the people that have allowed you to do that, Sandy, Emmy, Nikki. But now you're taking over this charge, and it's changing culture, yes. you know, which is a very different type of leadership. What it is, and it's, it's also, um, I'm sure Nikki won't mind me saying, it's also changing culture with us because mm. we haven't done an estate church. We've sure. done prisons and rogues and different things, individuals, but we've never 
really done a church on an estate before, mm. which is very different than here. Absolutely. It's very yeah. different than any of the other sites I've been involved in. Uh, the characters are different. Their upbringings are different. Um, the way they want to do things is different. So that's been, that's been challenging. You know, I've got mm. Joe and Sarah. Joe's training for ordination mm. on the Peter stream. I've got Joe and Sarah with me who will eventually take the church on. Uh, he's a year into a three-year training. Uh, but it's been really challenging. You know, they've not been trusting who's HTB, mm. why are you coming in here, you're down that end of the borough. And there's a massive divide uh, mm. in the borough, you know, from the north of Kensington to the south. South has got Chelsea and your, your Range Rovers and everything's mm. perfect. And I've lived in that area for 17 years. And then you go to the north, which is the same. It's only three miles. Uh, and it's not the same up there. Mm. You know, the pavements aren't fixed, the bins aren't mm. emptied properly, the streetlights, and it really annoyed me, mm. you know, because I hadn't been up there. And you can see why these people actually get angry. Absolutely. When it's the yeah. same borough, the same council, same amount of money, and, and it's not fair. Mm. So been trying to deal with all that stuff and mm. say, we are a church down this end in Chelsea, yeah. but actually we want to come and love and support and help you because yeah. you can't do it on your yeah. own. Yeah. So that's been challenging. Yeah, and I, actually you just touched on a really key point that I hadn't actually thought about before until you said it there, but that injustice seems to be the thing that drives you, really. It, it does, it does, yes, it does. It does drive injustice in individual uh, situations between people, injustice in society, injustice in that thing which I've just described, mm -hmm. which I'd had the privilege to live in Fulham, which is down the, the south end, uh, and take for granted how, how I live and the streets yeah. and the rubbish is emptied and, you know, and where I was, there's hanging baskets. And I go up there and it's like, hang on a minute, where yeah. are the hanging baskets here? There's a pair of trainers instead. There's a pair of trainers. <laughs> that, exactly. Or the bins haven't been emptied. And it's a very multi multicultural... And, Anyway, injustice, mm. it's not on. No, it's I'm, not. I'm yeah. not having it. Do you yeah. know what I mean? That's, it's not the kingdom of God, right? It's not the kingdom of God. You're absolutely right. So it needed some leadership. And, uh, you know, and Nikki thought I'd be the person with Amanda, my wife, to, to do that. And, mm. uh, yeah, and it's getting there. Mm. And, and what's exciting is 82 people, again, not, not the number, but it's completely mixed. When you look at those yeah. 82 people, there's not, there's not two that are the same. Yeah. That's the kingdom of God for yeah, me. And that's beautiful. It's beautiful and it's complicated and, it, and it's tricky and it's not easy. But, you know, we never got into this game for, for easy stuff, did we? No, no. Well, if we had, you would still be looking after a health club. Absolutely. And wearing even finer suits. And really probably. nice suits and have a nice car. And a, yeah. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, Paul, let me, um, let me ask you a, a question. I think you might have already covered this, but if you were to pick three people that have been really inspirational leaders to you, who would they be? Emmy, Sandy, and Nikki. Yeah. yeah. I don't I don't even have to think about it yeah. that lot. There's others. Yeah. You know, there's loads, there's a crowd I, I, I could say to you. But those three people, in very different ways, um, have got me to where I am now. Mm. Without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, and overwhelming at times, the unconditional love and the ability to put up with me and shape and shift shape me in different ways and, and push me in the right direction. I would say those those three people, mm. you knew all of them. Yeah. They're all different, they're all very unique, but they're all, I don't know, they're just special people. They are special people. They're all, they're all people that have shaped stuff that I do, yeah. shaped the way that I think. Yeah, they're you know, extraordinary. They're, 
they're, they're giants in the Christian world, I think, and um, and some very under under recognised. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I, c- I couldn't agree more. Um, yeah, probably like one one last question for you then, Paul. So, if if you were if you were to look back over your life, is there any key moments that you've had that have really shaped? you being the leader that you are today? And that could be positive, it could be negative, but is there anything that you've just went, actually, that was the thing that really triggered me? I think it's, I think it's a progression, Des, really, from, uh, from the kid I was, who didn't have a great upbringing, um, to meeting Christ, which really threw, threw me... Yeah, it just threw me completely. Mm. I, you know, I, I had no idea what I was doing when I met him. I, I, I all of a sudden, I had a conscience, I had a heart, I had empathy, I, I had all that stuff that I never had. And you know, the, the scriptures say that God will always use things for the mm. good of those who love Him. Yeah. So I do love Him, and I did love Him from the day, and still do the day I met Him. And what He's been able to do is use all the stuff in my past to enable me to have empathy for the people I'm with now. So I think one is 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 meeting him, um, has made me into the person I am today, and also my past. Mm. Again, you know, God will restore the years that the locusts have eaten. Mm. I, I lost a lot of time, but again, He's restored that, and and I can draw on. You know, I've been in prison. I've been homeless. I've been through divorces. I've had a bit of a breakdown. I've been through counselling. You know, I lost a child. I got a child back again. I've got a daughter. So all that stuff is um, if you allow God to, to, to use it in you and you surrender mm. yourself to him, he will use all that experience, though it be negative, and turn it into a positive. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's who I am now. Maybe, mm. maybe I'm a mixture of all that stuff, you know, 17 years in the military. I, I can be disciplined, self-disciplined. I can be a bit sort of anal at times about things. But I've also got compassion with the men and women I've worked mm. with that are just in a mess, and all they need is they just need a bit of a break. Mm. Uh, and and I've also seen hope rise in people. You know, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Um, and once you see hope and how far it's been pushed down, if you are able to unlock some of that and see that blossom, that is the most you've seen it yourself. Yeah. It's the most exciting thing to see. Yeah. I look at you. I, I knew you or I knew your story before. Mm. And I see you sat there now and what you've done and what you've achieved. Mm. That, to me, is just so exciting. Isn't that, I mean, isn't that what we're meant to do? Yeah, mate, I, I, I couldn't agree more. Like, I just think that when I'm around people that lives are being changed and impacted. It just it just breeds energy. Life breeds life. It's the most important. It's you know if you if you can change one person's life or be part of changing one person's life, your life is worth living. Mm. And I've had the extraordinary privilege to be around and see, like yourself and the people in this room, so many lives changed. Yeah, and and that that is an honour. Mm. You just can't take that for granted. It's a dream ticket, isn't it? It's a dream you know. ticket. Um, Mate, I'm afraid we're probably running out of time. Um, thank you so much for taking your time out to hang out with us. And we brought you a, a very precious gift down from the Holy Land that is Scotland. Some genuine iron, iron brew iron for you. Brew. 
That'll put hairs on your this, chest. This, I forgot to mention, this is probably part of leadership development and skills, mm. Iron Brew. Yeah. Uh, I forgot to drop that in the yeah, podcast. Well, obviously, yes. Thank you to our friends at Iron Brew. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we'll, we'll maybe enjoy some of that off camera. Um, mate, honestly, thank you so much. And thanks for all that you do. And Paul, you're just an inspiration um, to loads of people, me included. Um, so thanks, man. Thank you. It's been really exciting. And keep doing what you do. Cheers, bro. Amen. Oh,